drop those limiting beliefs and unlock your full potential. Soak up game as we interview the biggest badasses in business today. You're now tuned into the Start a Business Mind Your Own Podcast with your host, No Code Dan. All right, everybody, welcome back to Start a Business Mind Your Own. I am your host, No Code Dan, and we're back with another episode. On today's episode, we have quite a treat for you today. Um, music director, YouTuber, tech extraordinaire, Rick Cordero. Thank you for being on the show, my man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Hey, no problem. Um, I guess the best place would uh, to start, for those that may not have, know too much about you, won't you give us just a brief little bio about yourself? Yeah, so I'm uh, from Queens, New York, originally, and um, kind of got into music video directing about, I'd say like 10 years ago, a little, a little over 10 years ago, and kind of got into it accidentally. Um, you know, I was always kind of shooting low budget music videos with my friends and stuff. And, uh, you know, nothing, nothing serious, did some stuff in school, but, um, kind of met just through, you know, networking in New York, met someone who was working at Def Jam, uh, my boy, Steve Carlos. And with his help, he kind of like got me opportunities to, uh, bring kind of like a different kind of visual to mm -hmm. music videos at the time. Um, back then it was really, you know, we didn't really have like DSLR cameras. We didn't really have, um, you know, 4k video, like the, <laughs> the way you could shoot now is, is right. It's, it's kind of like state of the art, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Compared to back then. Um, so it was a, a little, a little bit before that sort of DSLR revolution. And so okay. the cameras were bigger, you know, there was like different things you had to do to get a certain look. Right. Um, right. Right. Especially if you weren't competing with, if you weren't hype Williams, you know, if you weren't Benny boom, if you weren't Chris Robinson, um, you know, we were kind of like on the streets uh, with like camcorders. Right. And we were, we were changing our cameras and making them look like film cameras with like, you know, adapters and, using photo lenses on our cameras and things like that. Oh, wow. so, that's really interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of what initially got the attention uh, from, from my work uh, with Steve. He, he saw that I was doing stuff with um, different artists, you know, like indie artists in New York. And so he was like, who, who shot that? Who did that? And then, um, through a mutual friend, he, he reached out to me and then I came to his office and kind of right away we clicked and he had him and his partner um, had this idea to like release these street videos with some of the major label artists on the roster at the time. And so um, that's kind of what I did. I was kind of just thrown into it, um, you know, without really having any kind of formal education. Right. But I was definitely scrappy, you know, like I was definitely like if I if I didn't know anything, I would be on the forums. I'd be asking questions on the forums and like, 
Uh, and really, I think the big thing for me was, you know, there was a, at the time there was a thing about a kind of like a elitism, right. With like mm -hmm. having big budgets on music videos or, or having big budgets on, um, on movies and stuff. And I was really like, you know, I had, I had met a few people that went to NYU who I felt were very entitled um, and, and not, you know, maybe I think I, I might've been presumptuous at the time, but there was an, an air of elitism and entitlement right. that came from people who could afford to go to NYU film school and could afford to, to have their parents drop 20 K on a short film <laughs> for them, you know? And to me, it was like, I just never felt like that was my destiny. That was never like, I grew up, uh, you know, middle class. I was uh, grew up on Long Island, um, and you know, my parents—they came from the Philippines in the in the '70s, you know. But they worked hard. But you know, they, all they did was work, right? And so, right. Um, we we me and my sister had a good life, but it wasn't. I think we always had a scarcity mindset in that we never really. Uh, you know, we always felt like we shouldn't be spending a lot or, you know, like, like if we needed something, we had to work for it and things like that. And like, right. Right. And so I, I just never imagined that I could compete on that level with like filmmakers who went to NYU or to other film schools. Did. So, yeah. So, I was so say, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll finish this point, but yeah, so the, the chip on my shoulder was, uh, how do I prove them wrong? How do I like, you know, how can I outwork anyone who has all the resources? Right. Absolutely. And did you feel like the impact you were making, especially getting into doing the music videos, was that like your way of proving yourself? Do you feel like you kind of showed that you could do the big budget thing with, with a smaller budget at a smaller scale? Yeah, I think um kind of kind of sorta like I, I felt like I felt like I was definitely trying to do something different, you know, and I, again I was mm -hmm. really waving that like renegade filmmaker flag, you know. I, right. I wanted to be I wanted my videos to not look clean. I wanted them to be kind of like like you know, really dark and shadows and you know, and just like all the stuff you're not, they teach you not to do in film school. I wanted to do, you know, like I just, right. like on purpose, you know, it wasn't like I was just being careless and like, whatever, you know, I, I cared about everything I was shooting at the time, but I definitely had a, you know, I just had like this kind of counterculture attitude about it. And, Absolutely. That was kind know, of your that, stylistic choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really, you know, I really believed it. And I really felt like, you know, I, as a fan of hip hop, you know, just, just growing up in the nineties and stuff, um, just really, really like loving the, you know, just, uh, the purity of hip hop and, and what it meant to me. And, you know, I, you know, I was bullied as a kid and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And like, that was sort of like my outlet. It was, it was what I turned to. It was, it was just like the thing that really uh, helped me kind of understand the world. And yeah. And so 
that's kind of how I approached it. And so, um, you know, when I, whenever I would get criticized, you know, um, or just like if people thought that I was just trying to be exploitive, like I really kind of pushed back on that and I really took offense to it because um, I know what that looks like. I know when right. people are culture vultures, you know, and like right. that just, that just like blew my mind, you know, because I wasn't making money off these videos. <laughs> like I wasn't but, like, so, yeah. so there was a crowd that considered you a culture vulture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, not, not a big, not a big one, but you know, right. I would, I would like, you know, is this more a, of a film crowd or, um, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit of both. Industry? A little um, bit of both. Yeah, I think you know this is when blogs were popular, right? You know, like not right and two do- uh, two dope boys and like you know Absolutely. everything else. That's uh, where I kind of yeah. saw a lot of your videos firsthand. Yeah, and you know that's that's where kind of trolling, you know, professional trolling was like kind of birthed, <laughs> right? And right, so, right. Um, and so like me as like this nice guy who's just trying to do right you know, uh, foolishly reading through the comments all the time. It really, it just really kind of, um, you know, it made me upset, you know, and absolutely. And I just, cause I really did feel like I was doing it for the love. And if anyone really knew what I had to go through, you know, they, they probably wouldn't do it or have the same kind of attitude. 100%. Um, let me see here. Uh, Oh, I was going to say, um, just to rewind a little bit back to the DSLR revolution, do you feel like the work you were creating kind of paved the way or just kind of um, led into that? Um, I think, you know, I, I mean, the technology was coming, you know, right. like the the fact that we were putting all these crazy contraptions on our cameras and our big camcorders, like uh, Canon, Panasonic, you know, all the big mm-hmm. names knew that they had to create a product because of this, uh, this demand um, right. that was bubbling up. So I, I don't, I don't know if I would take any credit for that, but I was certainly, you know, one of the um, contributors to it. One of the ones who really like wanted to push the needle forward because mini DV tapes were not cutting it, you know, like all these, mm-hmm. all this equipment was just getting cheaper, you know, and, and so, you know, I embraced it when, when the DSLRs did come out, I did, I think I did feel, um, like, oh, wow, everyone, everyone thinks they're a director now, you know, and, and, right. <laughs> and I, I, but then I look back and I'm like, well, that's what I did, you know, and I'm sure like any of the film school directors, any of the directors who were, you know, doing big things, the, the Hype Williams and the Benny Booms, like, mm-hmm. They were just like, who is this? Why does this kid think he's, you know, he can hold a candle to what we've done um, without any budgets. And, you know, I, I kind of felt that I I was nominated for like a BET award, like in 2009. And so when I was at that award ceremonies, it's kind of the, one of the biggest times where I felt I had that sort of like um, imposter syndrome where Mm -hmm. you just feel like you don't really belong here. Right, absolutely. Um, because I, you know, like it was fun. Don't get me wrong, and and I I appreciated it. But 
it did feel like this was too much. You know, this was like the the kind of like the politics of it and and um creating alliances and being very, very extroverted and social was just not my bag. It was just, it was right. not, it's just not who I am. And yeah, that makes sense. And so I, I feel like there were opportun- a lot of opportunities where I think I could have continued that, down that path, but a couple of things really prevented me from, from doing so. But, you know, off the top of my head, opportunities that I think I, you know, that I, that I passed that could have led to something was, I hung out with Nas once, Nas and Police. Nice. And, you know, we did a video together and we were just kicking in. He invited me to like a restaurant and he really wanted to do some work and wanted to, you know, they were going to like another venue and like, hey, you want to come along? Let's go. And my wife uh, was pregnant and I felt like I, I need to go home. Right. You know, and just and just handle my family business and not be out late you know, out here late, just like kicking it, even though Nas is a great guy. And, (laughs) um, or when, you know, when my child was born and I didn't, and I refused to take a call from Ludacris, you know, and like stuff like that. We're just like, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to abandon my priorities because of someone's, you know, assumption that I can. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I really struggled with. And I think it was going to, it was eventually going to come to a head, you know, right, at absolutely. some point that, you know, even if I didn't want to like really spend more time with my family, I think it was just at some point I was going to be like, I, I'm not going to do this because I just, I can't see the, the end game. It was really hard for me to see uh, financial independence, to be honest. Mm. It's interesting that you say that, uh, before we quite move on from the music, uh, video experience and the directing experience, I wanted to touch on, um, what you felt is like, I know you touched on it a little bit with uh, Steve and Def Jam, but like what you felt like your first true big break was and your first like big opportunity. It's like, once you created that video, you were like, okay, things are a little different than what they were before. Yeah. So definitely the blue magic trailer for Mm Jay-Z was um, a big moment because it was, it, it was kind of like a very uh, kind of street video, you know, it was inspired by American gangster. It was black and white. It was shot on the giant camera with the 35 millimeter adapter it was gritty. It was grimy. Right. That was the exact word I would use to describe it as gritty. This <laughs> is gritty. It's just like, it's just, you know, it looks like how we, it, it looks like how we shot it. We were just running around with no real clear plan to be right. honest. And that's how it looks. It looks like we only, only did one take. It looks like we were just <laughs> like, you know, didn't have enough lighting. Like, <laughs> and, um, and that's, you know, that urgency translated to the video. So when we showed it to Jay-Z, um, which was a really surreal experience, I think there was a certain kind of like cosign that mm-hmm. if it's good enough for him, then it's definitely good enough for me. And 
So I was kind of riding that wave for a little bit, even though he wasn't even in the video, you know, and right, like, right. it's just wild that just this little bit of like, this little bit of fumes, you know, that he let me <laughs> touch. It was just like, uh, turned into a whole other thing. But um, yeah, so that's, you know, that, that, that then spiraled into, you know, most of the Def Jam roster at the time, the Roots. Right. Uh, the Nas. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Nas, Nas is, is probably the, not only one of the greats, but probably my favorite person to, to have ever worked with because he was just so, uh, just like how you would think he, he is. I mean, the way right. he is in interviews, right. He's just very, um, just very, very. Um, trying to find a good word here, like steady, mm. you know, like steady, like just like articulate, steady. Right. There's no fluctuations. He's not like a Buster Rhymes, just fluctuating emotions or, you know, he's just yeah, steady. I get that thing. He's nice, calm. Yeah. Just yeah. calm, just even keeled. Nice. Smart, listens, you know, and, and we had, um, we had done, a, you know, the thing that he liked, I think about, what I did mm-hmm. was that um, uh, I I shot a bunch of stuff that the label was not going to pay for, right? Um, and when he realized that, he was impressed. You know, I don't think I don't think they were. I think he had a budget, obviously, but mm-hmm. you know, he didn't have a Jay Z budget, right? Right. And so right. he had some songs on there that were pretty um that, that were not marketable right and so uh but were important songs and so absolutely so that that's kind of like was the impetus for me to to try to wrangle together a bunch of people who are Nas fans and mm-hmm. uh come together and do a video and so he, he appreciated that and then he kind of paid it forward a little bit uh at this benefit this um was at the time when there was the big earthquake in Asia and misinfo mm-hmm. was holding like a benefit and um okay and and I I kind of like he knew that I was there and so like they he came by to support and he came up on stage and he just like shouted everyone out and like um and then he's like you know he turned to me he was like you know like we we're kind of like we have the same demeanor. We're kind of like the same kind of guy, you know? Right. And like, I was like, no, one, no. <laughs> <laughs> Two, um, you know, I don't know what to say to that, but yeah, I mean, I feel you. There's a connection for kind of, you know, introverted, extroverted guys, you know, like there's right. kind of like this dichotomy, right. Of like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, doing your best work, isolated in your bedroom but also like knowing that you have to kind of put yourself out there and so that was really cool and that was those were some of my favorite times when i was doing that stuff awesome awesome and would you say um that was your favorite artist to work with or did you have another experience that it was just whether it was the product that you all created together or maybe just the friendships that blossomed on set was there anything else that you would probably take the cake as your favorite experience. (laughs) 
Yeah, that would probably take the cake. I mean, um, my experience with Action Bronson is like interesting, you know, like we <laughs> kind of have this like, um, you know, we kind of have like this, this, this relationship uh, where it's just like, you know, he's, I don't understand sometimes what he, what he wants, you know? Um, and, you know, I knew him before he became super famous and, right. and watching those changes and watching what some of that does to someone who you consider a friend, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, some moments where like, we just didn't see eye to eye or like, you know, like, whereas back in the day, you know, like, yeah, let's just do a video. There's no money, but let's just try something. And I think right. he appreciated that versus now, you know, like, uh, it has to be, you know, it just, it's just, I have to read his mind and I can't, especially now. And I don't think he's comfortable with certain visuals that, you know, that aren't exactly what's in his head. Mm. So in that regards, like, um, I, you know, like it's unfortunate, but I would prefer to just have a friendship, you know, with someone like that, than try to like do a video that they're not pleased with. Right. Especially, right. especially now where it's just like, I'm, you know, I'm older and I'm, I'm my, my, my mind is kind of like in a different space in terms of like how I see visuals. So it's not, it's kind of like not how it is. <laughs> like the style the of music time. videos that are, yeah. Like the right. style of music videos are just really not the headspace that I'm in. I, I can appreciate them, but. Uh, right. Right. Just kind of outgrown that from where you were. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. I I can kind of relate to that. I was never big in music or anything, but we did a lot of hip hop and rap related music here. Uh, We got hooked up, you know, with a few different beats from like Ski Beats and uh, Rock Wilder, Sledgerin from Taylor Gang. So we had a few little moments, but eventually I personally, I can't speak for everyone in the group, but I personally kind of had that feeling of like, I was kind of outgrowing everything. I couldn't exactly see the end. And then I got with uh, my girlfriend, who's my fiance now, and uh, she's a little older than me at the time. And she had kids from the previous relationship. And it just, it kind of made me grow up a little faster than I intended. And it just, everything didn't align up for me then. And I can totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah, exactly. You know, priorities change. 100%. And, and I think, you you know, you also start to think about what, what am I doing that's actually having an, an impact on the world? You 100%. Know, and, and that's, you know, that, that starts with like, you know, really taking a, a hard look at yourself in the mirror and like, is this where I see myself, you know, in five years? Absolutely. And what caused you to say, you know, I'm done with the music videos or like, I'm done with this. And and I know after the music videos, you kind of trended into the media outlets, complex and such, but Mm -hmm. eventually you kind of went on into the tech scene. What was the the ending factor for you to kind of say, you know, music videos and that sort of um, content creation was fun, but it's time for me to move on. Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, I think 
I think if I had some kind of mentor or something, or just something like, you know, someone or some kind of career coach or something like that. Right. But I think, I think I would have uh, understood that my time was super limited in that career, you know, and, and to just, mm. you know, if someone had said, just make your money, right. Like almost like a uh, professional athlete, right. Just like, just make right. your money. Right. And just know that you will not be here. You, you wouldn't, you will not want to be here in three years or five years, right? whatever the, the average is for, you know, uh, NFL players who aren't, you know, who aren't like stars, right. It's like three right. years, three and a half years or whatever. Um, and, and then, you know, and then just save it, right. Or invest it. And so, um, for me, I think between the years of like 2010 to like 2013, mm-hmm. uh, was a big, was struggling hard. I think I was, really trying to reconcile with the fact that um, the industry was moving on without me, that there were mm-hmm. younger directors who were willing to work for free, you know, or right. willing to um, just kind of like do what I did and undercut <laughs> everyone. And, um, and, you know, combined with the cost of living in, in New York and all these things and wanting to like raise my family, it just, um, you know, it was either, you know, something I had to give, you know, either I would mm-hmm. have to be in new, you know, like in the city all night long to um, socialize and to make connections and to network and do all that stuff. Or, you know, I would have to find something that's a little more steady. And so I had, you know, I, I after college, I had worked, I had had some like, corporate jobs like creative jobs that were you know weren't bad but they weren't actually fulfilling to me but they were you know they were good jobs coming out of college and so when I had left after you know doing the Jay-Z video where I was like all right you know like I can I'll just do freelance now um the you know and seeing sort of ancillary money as well from like uh, like I did a commercial for Sprite, right? And I got paid mm-hmm. a bunch of money off that. And just like, I thought that I would just transition into a commercial director where I was directing uh, six-figure videos and things right. like that. And like- Like the Benny Booms and Hype Williams. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of. I think I was more like, I want to do commercials, commercials, you know? Oh, okay. So yeah, like like you said, the yeah. Sprite commercial and just doing more corporate events or corporate- uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And I had done a few around that time, but it was still not a steady thing. Right. And you know, um, it was just competitive. It was the same thing. You know, I, I you have to be in the mix. You know, if you're not in the mix, you're not in the conversation. Mm. And it didn't really matter, like how much you've done, who who you work with, or how much you feel like you've you know, you've done the right thing. Um, just none of it mattered. So I had to reconcile with the fact that, you know, I, I can't wait forever. I can't wait. It's like, it's like trying to win, trying to win the lottery, like every month, right. Just to right. like put food on the table. And that's just like, not, that's just, I'm risk averse. So that's just not how I like to function uh, Absolutely. My my day to day, you know, especially with with a family, right? So, mm-hmm. 
uh, I'm hard on myself. You know, I think, you know, obviously my wife um, and creative partner, like she, like we did this together. You know, I, I, I say I a lot right. throughout this whole conversation, but it was really us and our team that, that did all this. But, um, That's awesome. you know, as she, as she, you know, started focusing on, on being a mom, mm-hmm. um, you know, I kind of had this, you know, a part of me kind of like creatively split off. So like right. we were really good as partners together, seeing things, you know, together, I didn't have that anymore. So I was kind of like just all over the place and not focused. Mm. And, and so, you know, so I decided like, yeah, okay, well, I got to get a job, you know, and, I, and, you know, having a kid, you just kind of like, you know, uh, even if you're, I think when you're freelancing, at least for me, it was like, well, I'm never going to have another day job because I just had such a bad experience. But I also didn't really understand that, you know, it was just something that I was telling myself, which was, wasn't real. It was just like shirking responsibility, you know, it's just some way to just like brush off, like, uh, being, doing your research and being just like, just responsible, you know? Mm. And so, um, it's a great way to reframe it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's kind of what I did. You know, I mean, you know, when you see these things where like, especially like in, in hip hop where it's just like screw a day job or like, you know, just like all this day job stuff, like, dude, like you do even know, like there are day jobs that, you know, like the people's day jobs are just like their hustles and like you make, you make of it, you know, how you want to make of it, you know? And right. like, um, and, and there's, yeah. So it just kind of blows my mind when people say that, or like, it's like, it's however, you know, everyone's like, number is different everyone's like um path to financial independence is different and so just like to shit on day jobs just in general is it's just like not you know just not something i subscribe to and so Absolutely. you know i i think about that you know and and why it took me so long to actually get a get a corporate gig you know because if i had if i had done the sprite commercial and you know got my money and got my royalty checks and just got a job right after that Right, would have been fine. But I was really fighting against that and pushing back, pushing back and working, you know, and like my, my quality of work was lowering, you know, I was working Mm -hmm. with more internet rappers and, and not, you know, like these major label artists that I was working with and just kind of taking whatever, taking anything I could get. And, and that's when it was like, okay, this is not for you. Um, you could do it on the side, but this is this cannot be your main gig. And so that led to digital media publishing jobs, you know, which led to complex. And th- those were really those were times that were very humbling, you know, because I was, you know, at that point I felt like I paid my dues as a right. as a director. You know, I, I felt very seasoned and professional and worked with uh, so many people, absolutely. You no, know, then then I'd come to like these jobs where like, you know, some of these folks were younger than me, and maybe they didn't know exactly what I what I did. Mm-hmm. But when you have like, you know, when you have some like 
young guy out of college, like trying to tell you, uh, this is a C stand, you know, <laughs> right. This is when you turn on a light, it's called striking and you just kind of have to bite your lip and like not punch them in the face, you know, like it's a humbling experience, you know, because it's just like, 100%. well, you know, you know, don't, don't trip over your own ego. Like you have been out of this business for a very long time. No one outside of the blog should really understand or care about what you did. You are, have to start over. Mm, that's and, powerful for you yeah. to not only say that, but to have that self-awareness. I mean, yeah, you, you know, it's like, yeah, that's just, that's just, yeah. And you know, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm starting over, but I'm going to try to accelerate this. <laughs> and so, right, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so I really kind of like, you know, a lot of negotiations and, and especially getting into complex. I mean, I turned complex down the first time and then they came back the second time when they were kind of really putting, putting together uh, like the big video teams for editorial mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, it's so you know, so they made a good offer and I, you know, and then I came into this team and I worked with a bunch of cool people. Um, but also, you know, kind of felt like, um, oh, you know, like I'm getting back into this celebrity worship, you know, like hype beast, you know, like mm-hmm. cool guy stuff again. And, right. yeah, you know, and the culture stuff and like, I just you know, sometimes felt like, man, like, am I really, there's a lot of people here who really just want to exploit the hell out of like the culture. Mm, right. And like, I can't, like, can I, I can't, you know, I, and I got to work with these people every day. Like, and so, yeah, there was a bit of a struggle there. I, I definitely made some really good, there's a lot of great people I've met through there. I got a lot of great opportunities um so it was really an awesome stepping stone but like um yeah they you know i you know i kind of like probably um you know made a little bit of uh how do i how should i phrase this i might have ruffled some feathers you know but like not Mm -hmm. in a not in a loud way or anything like that but kind of like in a passive way where it's like oh he's he's working on this blog you know oh he's doing videos outside of complex what's that all Mm, about right you know where like people wanted to work with me or people wanted to do stuff with me because of just you know my my career beforehand right was suddenly a conflict of interest for my role at, at complex oh that's crazy I can completely understand where some people might, you know, as you say, get their feathers ruffled and get upset because, you know, you're doing your own thing, but it just, I don't know. I've always been a firm believer. If as long as you're not crossing paths, you know, the yeah. ghostbusters, as long as you're not crossing the streams, <laughs> it shouldn't be too big of an issue. Yeah. Like if I was like, you know, moonlighting for vice, right. Or right. Something like that, it's just like, okay, you can't do that. But you know, I was doing, um, like you said, the, the tech stuff and, uh, trying to branch off into into that, which you know ultimately was my original passion that got me into music videos. Like 
mm. being obsessed with cameras. Like that's kind of how, how I got into that. Okay. Awesome. And how did you get like involved into the tech scene? Like heavily, what introduced you or what brought you back to that to where you kind of knew like that was going to be your next endeavor, your next move. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I was really big on like the DIY and like, um, run and gun stuff. And mm-hmm. a big blog at the time was a blog called cheesycan.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's run by a guy named M and, you know, I had always bought like things just like based on his recommendations off his blog. Right. And we ended up, uh, becoming really good friends and st- still to this day, like we text every single day, but, um, he really, he was sort of the first person, like good friend that I made that really kind of like did it, you know, with like, um, with the blog. Right. And sort right. of like paved his own path. And, um, and so he's, he inspired me, uh, cause he had left like a pretty cushy job, I think in it, um, to start this blog. And he was, you know, he was telling me stories of like, after work, he'd be doing his, uh, tech reviews, like on, you know, in his bedroom floor, right. you know, and just like, <laughs> just like working on these things, like, you know, five hours after he got home from work. And I was like, you know, wow, that's amazing. And so he really helped me come up with a plan to kind of do something similar. And so that's how I created runplayback.com where, um, you know, like he would help me kind of like navigate that path and introduce me to, to vendors to, to talk about, uh, different kind of camera gear and, um, and then it just became kind of something that I became passionate about. It was just like, you know, I like to talk about gear and, and stuff. And and then I think, you know, it, it eventually transformed into more about um, lifestyle tech and trying to trying to give this very nuanced perspective on, like, whether you need this thing or not. Right. Um you know, it's, it's, it's not like I just straight up promote retail therapy, which I, I might've done back in the day, but I'm really <clears throat> more into like, uh, you know, the fire movement and all this stuff where it's just like, you know, I'm, if I'm recommending something, it's, it's ideally to improve someone's life or, uh, you know, either it helps them with their skill set or, it helps them in a practical way. And so, you know, and, and how do you save money? And is this just a good deal? You know, if you're going to buy it anyway, just right. listen to my opinions first before you, you know, spend that 48 hours, like not pressing by and just <laughs> have it in your cart and just think about it. And then if my opinion can sway you to save money or spend it because you really did your research, then, then I'm good with that, but I'm not good with, blindly recommending something or, or taking sponsor money to just like hawk a product. Absolutely. And I would say overall, just from the viewing the run playback uh, channel that you're very um, financially responsible and you promote that throughout the course of the, you know, your own content, the lifestyle content, but also some of the tech videos as well. I, I've never felt like you're kind of pushing anything on anybody. Like 
buy now, buy now, like, you know, salesman's <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and it, it took me a while to really find, you know, find my, my template, so to speak of like, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I, I could kind of run, you know, run down sort of what, what it looks like, you know, when I post something, um, okay. do you think that's something that's relevant? Yeah, absolutely. So these days, I think with the pandemic, like um, I really took a hard look at the at, at the blog because I, mm-hmm. I had been posting like intermittently, you know, like um, when I felt like it or when there was something interesting to talk about. But uh, really, I, I got to take a hard look at the blog and had some some trusted friends take a look at it as well, and they right. gave me a lot of advice. And you got to fix this, you know, this looks terrible. Or this wasn't, this is, your site is not even secure, you know, and like all this stuff. Right. Or take right. those ads off. Like, and so <laughs> I, I really, like, really spent some time just like making it look better and just like overhauling it and creating a consistent look to it and really, right. uh, you know, doing a lot of research and, and listening to podcasts on like YouTube, just, just general maintenance, like not even like, touching the content yeah just maintenance like have you know what is your process here and how how does this all look consistent what are viewers your platform yeah like why are viewers going to click on your video and so like Mm, so i just started to do that and then it became a little bit more like um easier to manage you know because it was it was just like well okay that's i just have to do this this and that and you know now it's kind of built in and I have my templates. So, uh, so for example, if there's something that I'm interested in talking about, you know, I will typically reach out, reach out to the company and see if they have a review unit mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, they'll usually ship it if they think it's relevant. And then, um, and then I'll spend some time with the product and, you know, I'll write a script and, and that's pretty much it. You know, writing the script, you know, I really try to go over the features. I try to do a demo of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of tech channels that, that do this or do each thing really, really well. Either they'll really unbox, they'll unbox really, really well, or they'll, right. they'll, uh, they'll do a demo really, really well, or they'll do a freestyle, like, you know, like not non-scripted review really, really well. Right. But um, but I, I kind of wanted to do something that's again a little matches my personality, which is just like a little bit steady and just like you know just say what say what you mean and, and be straightforward and be just like just honest, you know. And one of the things that I think one of the big opportunities I, I had not too long ago was meeting. Uh, Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was invited to do, to be part of his retro tech episode that he did with um, YouTube. Okay. And awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were, you know, coincidentally talking about that big camera that I was using on, uh, <laughs> on the Jay-Z video because he had never right. seen that, you know, he's, he's younger than me. So he was like, what, the, you know, what is this thing? <laughs> um, it's hilarious. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like he's, you know, he, as someone who's like super successful, mm-hmm. you know, arguably 
one of the big, the biggest, if not the biggest. Absolutely. Uh, tech hands down, hands down. Right. Um, it's just a very nuanced, very, just very great approach to how he does these things. You know, I, I, I remember like his boosted board review, like mm-hmm. that was one of the things that really, you know, when I started to like notice his videos and, you know, you had the Casey Neistat who was doing, you know, just like really entertaining, like just like mm-hmm. wild stuff and like, right. but it, it felt like reality TV kind of like sort of, mm-hmm. you know, um, whereas Marquez's stuff was very straightforward. Like there was something very appealing about him that wasn't in your face. He kind of like, right. it just slowly crept on you. Like, just like, you know, it's like soothing when you hear him talk. And so it's very natural. It's natural. And that's just how he conducts himself. Um, even when the cameras are off. And so we had a great time just kicking it and just talking about tech and, and seeing his studio, obviously. And that was another kind of thing that I was like really inspired to, to try to emulate, you know, I, I can never, I don't think I'll ever reach that height just being realistic, but I can certainly take that attitude towards it where this is my job, you know? And so he was really good at just sort of like, you know, he doesn't see himself as a celebrity. He doesn't see himself as a YouTuber, you know, mm-hmm. at least that's not how I, that's not how he came across, you know, as a, right. as an influencer, you know, and <laughs> I've met people who, you know, right away want you to know that they're an influencer and that just wasn't his vibe. And so that right. was really cool to see. And yeah. And so like, you know, that, that, that's the kind of YouTube channel that I, I, I can appreciate. And I appreciate that. That's really a lot of channels are kind of like, are that now you don't have to be, like vulgar or like um, insulting or shock shocking, right? No, you don't. Like you don't the, have to be. Yeah, you don't have like to be Jake TV. Paul, right? Like the TV we kind of grew up on. Like it doesn't need that that shock content anymore. No, no. I mean, one YouTube won't allow it, right? Really, and two, uh, you know, it's a different generation. Like people. People, they want to get their info, you know, like, <laughs> you know, they want to learn something like cut to the mm-hmm. chase. Right. Like, and like, 100%. you, you got to just create that, that trust and be consistent. Absolutely. Um, so how has growing the channel, the run playback channel, how has that been for you? And I know you said, you know, you were honing down on processes during the pandemic, has your strategies changed at all as far as trying to grow the channel or create content for the channel with the pandemic going on? Yeah. So, um, so I think what I've really learned now is um, I've, I've been able to kind of, and we'll get into this later, but I've been really able to separate my income streams in terms of uh, priority levels. Right. Okay. So you have, there's a hi- hierarchy to it that mm-hmm. I think about. And so one is my my main career gig, my day job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, two is freelance work. So this is anything that I'm like if I'm working with a local business or nonprofit, and I'm you know shooting um, explainer video, like any of that stuff mm-hmm. is my is my second tier. 
third tier is run playback. Um, and then fourth tier is like eBay or anything that I could sell that I don't use anymore. And okay, so, yeah. So now that I kind of like know where I fit run playback in that tier, in that hierarchy, I, I've been really doing well in terms of allocating my time according to that, because you really, it's really hard to, to, to do a YouTube, <laughs> to have a YouTube presence. If you are not, if that's not 100% your day job, right. it's just, it is just too crowded. It is just, you know, you have to be on that thing. Like, for example, uh, Minority Mindset, which is mm-hmm. a great finance channel. He he's over in he's over in Northville, which is like not far from me in Michigan. Okay. Um, and that dude puts out like three videos a day. You know, like he's <laughs> he's killing it. I mean, he's right. killing it, like seriously killing it. Um, but I think he's a lawyer full time. But you know, it's just like that 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 priority level is probably like number one, you know, where the lawyering is, is probably secondary, but you know, until you can do that, until you have enough content to do that, it's really difficult. And so um, the channel that I created, it's really, some of it is very much product based. So like Mm -hmm. something, if, if if I, if, if it's not something that I'm super passionate about, it's just not going to be good. So like, Right. I'd rather kind of like, kind of like stagger it out and, and take my time with it and not just be like every Tuesday and Thursday, you're going to see a new video. <laughs> like it, it's just like, that's just not, that's not going to work for me. So, right. Um, so in terms of like, you know, how that works, because it is sort of the third tier, uh, obviously there's affiliate payments, right? So there's affiliate um, um part of like Amazon affiliate. So right. any links that I could recommend, um, there, there's a small like commission on that. I have movies mm-hmm. that I made back in the day that are on Amazon prime. So I do earn royalties off that. Okay. Um, and uh, YouTube ads, which isn't a whole lot of money, but okay. uh, when you, when you put it all together, it is, you know, a decent uh, passive income stream, but I don't know if I, call it a hundred percent passive because I am, you know, putting, well, putting work some, in. putting some effort into it. Yeah. The, the, right. the videos are, you know, I, I am putting more effort into it and I'm trying, whereas before I try to rush them, I tried to like, just like, you know, just like shoot it, edit it and just put it out. And then just like, just try to finish it in time. And right. I was, there wasn't really the, the the best process you know and um now i can like shoot part of it one day and just have it in the back of my head and know that you know and then shoot another part of it another day and just kind of like just keep building upon building on it building on it until it's like okay i know where this needs to go and usually it's like uh you know it's a summary of the features and then a demo and then something else. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so how I, that's sort of the narrative that I create for these videos. And so like, I kind of, kind of just developed a method now where it's like, 
you know, I'm, I don't know if anyone's going to ever watch the full video, but I'll, I'll have them for the, for the first two minutes, like at least. Right. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure there's people I've watched a few videos. So I know, I know there's some of us out here watching the whole video, but, um, Let's see here. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you had a few films on uh, Amazon Prime and a few places. And uh, you also mentioned that you still do the freelance uh, video uh, or videography for uh, companies and small businesses. Do you still make films or is that something you've kind of moved away from? Yeah, so I, I still make films. You know, we, we were supposed to make a film actually right before the pandemic. Uh, so obviously that didn't happen. But um, yeah, so I. So now that I kind of like know how um, Amazon works, right. And just like mm -hmm. having, you know, ha having a distribution, you know, like it, and, and it's not, not a to, lot. Not to cut but, you off. Was, uh, did you, were you working direct to consumer with the distribution? Was that just you or did you have another company working with you on that? That was just me. Okay. Um, yeah. I'd love you to continue telling this story, but if you could just speak to um, anything in that process, just kind of how it works or anything. I know that'd be real interesting to some of our listeners. Yeah. I mean, um, it's I basically just set up an account. Um, okay. You, yeah. You could just set up a, an account on Amazon. I, it's a little different than, you know, trying to set up an affiliate where I think you need to sell like a certain amount before mm -hmm. they, before you could stay in there. But like Amazon, let me see if I could look it up. So Amazon. Okay. Um, uh, I, know, I know Netflix had like camera requirements and certain. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it so, a similar situation or? Not really, no. Okay. Um, so it's called Prime Video Direct, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm in the dashboard right now, but like it's, uh, <laughs> so you can, you can upload your video. It takes a while. Mm -hmm. uh, to get approved, but you have to kind of like, um, uh, you kind of have to like, um, like put like captions on it. Um, or like, uh, if you want, you know, if you want it to play in different countries, you have to get captions for those, which can be expensive depending on how long your movie is. Right. But, um, yeah, so that's, then you just kind of upload it to, to prime and you know you have to have like the the size of the graphics have to be on spec um mm -hmm. things like that and it's, it's like not not that difficult but um awesome so you could pair it with kind of uh not too far off from kind of like uploading content to youtube just a little a few more hoops i guess yeah a few more hoops and like you know i think i think with like <clears throat> from my movies like i've tried uploading it to youtube but one they just you know they just never fit with what was on my channel already so it just didn't make sense right. and two there's something kind of like special about seeing your movie or telling someone to check it out on prime video you know it's just like absolutely it's like it's a little bit of a and but so here's the thing like when you self-distribute um it's really the onus is on you to for it to find the audience so for example um, there's a couple, there's like, there's, there's like a Venn diagram of how I like approach movies now. Whereas before, you know, I didn't really dive into it, but you know, when I was making these music videos and stuff, I was, I was making movies, 
but right. I was like losing money off these movies, you know, I was mm -hmm. borrowing money, like going into debt. And these days, you know, the Venn diagram is essentially a movie by its nature is a liability. And, you know, and you don't, as much as people say, like, you know, we'll put together a deck and, and say, you're going to make 16% return if you invest uh, $100,000 into my movie, like, get, you know, get out of here with that. You know, like, you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Like, there's no silly. promise on that ROI. No, there's just like, you know, so that hand in hat kickstart my movie. Like, I just, you know, like, I just never subscribe to that. But, um, but now I can look at the metrics of my dashboard. For example, I'm looking at it right now. And I have like 42,655 minutes stream. And I can look at that. And then I could look at the monthly returns and, and I can make, I can make a guesstimate in terms of like my return or at least break my break even amount of time. Right. Uh, and so, uh, so if I put up my own money and granted, I'm not going to put up a lot of my own money, you know, if I'm going <laughs> right. to make a movie, it's going to be, it's going to be in Michigan. It's going to be with like, uh aspiring actors or non-actors or people who mm -hmm. just uh, you know like you know it's the midwest people will usually you know if they're not doing anything they're happy to to do something cool oh, and absolutely. and so you know that's kind of how i approach making movies now it's usually a short film there's something i made recently called bespoke that's on amazon and and what i do with these films is that i have like a, um, I partnered with uh, the Cinetopia International Film Festival, which is out here in the Michigan theater. It's like mm -hmm. historic Michigan theater. And okay. we have something called the A2 Tech Film Showcase. And that's essentially a showcase that uh, promotes diversity and inclusion uh, in, in filmmaking and in tech. And so like okay. specifically science fiction films. Awesome. Yeah, so you know, I, I'll put I'll throw my movie in there, you know, but I'll also, but it's you know, it's really encouraging whoever has something to say and really reaching out to to more diverse voices and providing that platform, and you know, they get to screen their film in a theater that seats you know, historic theater that has like thirteen hundred seats and you know all this stuff, gold plating on the on the seats and like all this stuff, right. you know, and like and. So for me, when I make a film, it's to kind of encourage that, but also like uh, create a promotional aspect for the showcase and and break even, you know, on, mm -hmm. on if I put money up to rent a location, to hire a crew, uh, to get food, like all that stuff. Um, so when I make a movie now, it's not just like, let's just make a movie and show it to our friends and family and then forget about it. It's right. like, we'll put it on Amazon. Who's, who's in this movie? Who's going to be excited and share it with their friends? Uh, let's put them in the movie. <laughs> Are they talented? <laughs> Great. You know, do they like to share stuff? Great. Okay. Right. You're in. Right. <laughs> and so um, it, it, you know, it's like how you would do uh, Hollywood movies, right? You just like, right. you know, you, you get people to talk, about the movie and 
you have a distribution channel. It's just, it's just smaller. And so like that gives me a, more motivation. Whereas before it was like, let's make a movie. Let's hope it gets, let's hope someone likes it. It gets into festival. Let's spend hundreds of dollars a month to get into festivals with no guarantee that they're going to even accept it. Mm, and right. then on top of that, hope that you'll get distribution. And then by, by the time that happens, you won't even care about the movie anymore. <laughs> like all of this, like, it's just, you know, um, it, it, you know, that, that sort of like weird lower middle-class middle-class like area of like indie filmmaking is just, it's just like weird, you know? And like, it, it just doesn't make sense uh, unless you have like disposable income, which brings me back to like, some of these folks who went to film school whose parents will just, you know, for, for the rest of their life, you know, fund their hobby. Right. <laughs> Cause if you're not making a living off of it, it's a hobby. So, oh, so absolutely. that's, so that's kind of what, how I look at it now, where it's like, you know, if I spend, uh, if I spend $3,000 to make a short film, you know, I can look at it and say, well, I'll make my money back you know, X amount of uh, months or whatever. Um, but that's cool. You know, like, that's fine. It's, it's on me to like right. promote it. It's on me to get the people involved to promote it. And then Absolutely. after that, it'll just, you know, it'll just do what it's supposed to do. But that's, and, you know, and have, have a theatrical showing at an actual yeah. theater, you know, like, which is awesome. Like a lot yeah, of people I get, can't I get, say they took it that far. Exactly. And so I get all of that, you know, I get all of that just by in my, my own little bubble. Right. And right. so like, and I can open that up to other people, you know, ultimately if I have a little bit of a pool of money then I could do that for other people and say, you know, be like a mini studio, like, you know, here's right. micro studio, here's a thousand bucks. What can you make with this? And and then we'll screen it and, you know, you'll promote it and mm -hmm. I'll distribute it, you know? And so, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we gotta, we gotta get back into theaters. It'll take some time, but like, that's, that's what I'm excited for. And now, I mean, I really feel like I have time to really write this out and, and think about it. Right. That's awesome. Um, as far as working in, you know, film and kind of the music industry by doing music videos. And of course, now you've moved into the tech industry what are the similarities between those two different worlds? And um, are there any similarities or are there any major differences perhaps? Um, I think, um, I think there's similarities in that, like, you know, if you've, if you've done exciting things with people that are known, it means something, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it means something to your value. It means that you were trusted at some point, you know, right. and it, it becomes kind of an intangible it becomes kind of like a, um, like a mystery aspect of, of yourself that creates, that ends up just creating more value. Uh, so though that's the big similarity that I see being in tech because uh, big tech, uh, at least from my experience, um, 
they, you know, the, they're up on culture. They're up on like music. They're up on, yeah. you know, you know, engineers are, are, I've met some of the biggest hip hop fans who are like engineers and like right. sales guys and like, you, you name it. Right. Like, <laughs> I just like, really? Like, that, like, I don't even know these artists that you're listing right now, but okay. Like I'll take your word <laughs> for it. And so, you know, they, you know, they, they kind of know my history, you know, when you come into a, into an organization, especially when I came in a duo uh, in 2015, um, you know, they kind of knew and celebrated everything that I did. And nice. they, were, they were excited. You know, the role was created for me. There was, there was not even really, they were looking for what I did. You know, it was just like, this guy's coming here and he seems really cool to work with. Like, let's try to do something. And that's kind of what it was. So all of the politics and weirdness that I felt at Complex, mm -hmm. um, you know, having a love for something and, and it feeling diminished, you know, loving hip hop, but working in it made it feel gross right uh like that that sort of like disappeared you know because it was like i can i can now just kind of like be in this new industry that i know nothing about and apply whatever i've learned into telling that story it's so mm. so yeah so that that was kind of the excitement of it you know, when I moved, a lot of my friends and my peers were like, you're one, you're moving out of New York. Like, why? Mm -hmm. Two, you're working for a cybersecurity company. Like, really? <laughs> what? what? Um, but on paper, that sounds crazy. It sounds like terrible. But, you know, when I when I interviewed with Duo, I interviewed all of the team, but specifically the founder, Doug Song. And mm, Doug okay. is, uh, if you Google, Google Doug Song, D-U-G Song. <laughs> and like, he's, uh, he's, he's an amazing guy. Like he, not only is he like the super successful entrepreneur and mm -hmm. genius cybersecurity hacker guy, <laughs> but he's like a really good dude. Right. And, and he, he really taught me a lot in terms of, well, one, when we first interviewed, he, um, we talked like for an hour and had nothing to do with my role at, at duo. It just, it was music and skating and like, you know, just like all this <laughs> other stuff. Like, and so that was the vibe that I got. Right. Um, on top of him just being a decent human being that I knew that the culture and the kinds of people that were coming that were going to would be attracted to this place were going to be decent human beings that were going to be super super smart like right beyond my capacity and if i could be next to that then it's just going to rub off on me not that i would get smarter but maybe a little bit you know like right. maybe a little or i'd know more about things that I only knew surface level about. And mm -hmm. that 
that ended up becoming uh, one of the biggest, you know, acquisitions uh, for Cisco when when they bought Duo for two point something billion dollars. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, and so <laughs> building equity in a company from that early uh, was just like was kind of like winning winning the lotto in some respects, and I don't just mean financially, but um, believing, you know, and really rolling the dice and and just knowing that everyone we were we were on a mission to really create a good product and to create a good culture. Absolutely. That was beyond what everyone else was doing. Working yeah. for uh, Duo Security, what was it like once you all got acquired? How did you feel hearing the news that you were all being acquired <laughs> by Cisco? I mean, everyone is, I mean, you had half the company that was upset. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. Yeah, understandable. Because, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Everyone has to show up in this day. We're not going to tell you what, but just show up. And so like, <laughs> you know, that's and then the, you know, then the bomb dropped. And I was like, I was like, what the, wait, the net, the router company? Like, do, they, don't they make phones? <laughs> don't they make phones and routers and switches and things like that? Right. And, uh, and so, so, you know, my 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 uh, initial reaction was like, okay, that's you know interesting. Uh, you know, this what does this mean? Do we still have jobs? You know, and and mm-hmm. and when it was like when we kind of knew like they were keeping us, it was it was kind of kind of got exciting a little bit, but still kind of weird, you know, because we we kind of had our own uh, we had our own apps that we like to use. We had our own kind of culture. Mm-hmm. And Cisco was really known as, you know, just like a legacy big tech, you know, 77,000 people behemoth, right? Like none right. of us signed up to work for Cisco, you know, like, right, right? Absolutely. so, um, but, you know, a lot of people got paid nicely off the acquisition. So it was, it was that, you know, and, and. And that's where I, that's kind of like where I, you know, that, that's where I was becoming a little more financially savvy at that point, mm-hmm. uh, where I was like just making better decisions and, and eliminating my debt completely. And, right. um, and so it was like, <clears throat> okay, well, you know, how, where do I go from here? You know? And so, um, Part of it was negotiating, uh, just like, what does my professional development look like now that we're acquired? What does the next mm-hmm. two or three years look like? And that that then became a mission for me to talk to people at Cisco and see what was going on, you know. And and then I from there I learned I learned that there were other video people in different pockets of the organization. And I kind of started putting myself out there and really talking to people and doing like weekly Mm -hmm. one-on-ones just to learn more, you know? Uh, I I, I had loved what I 
was doing a duo, but I also felt like, you know, being under a video, being in a video team that's under creative, that's under marketing, when you get acquired, you know, uh, and your product is being um, launched into existing sales channels, mm-hmm. uh, how much marketing do you really have to do when right. they're already buying it? You know, so like, it's just, it just felt like we went from this small company in the Midwest that was like trying to like get attention, pay attention to us. Suddenly like everyone, do you even need us now to like, <laughs> to do that stuff? Like, so, so that's when I started to look at different parts of, of Cisco and, um, and uh, yeah, my, uh, you know, started meeting people and, and my story, you know, I posted on LinkedIn, the article I sent you about like why I moved from New York city to Michigan, mm-hmm. like that whole story. And that kind of like, that kind of went to someone else at Cisco that went to someone else that eventually went to uh, my current boss who mm-hmm. saw it. And, and then he kind of like planted the seeds and started conversation with me which then led to, you know, months of just like, just, you know, conversations and nothing happened having to do with anything really about right. work, but just like kicking it. And, uh, and then finally he, he offered me a role uh, as part of their video uh, manager of video communications for the CEO, for Chuck Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um, That's incredible. And yeah, it was a very big, very big jump just in terms of like the grade level that I was at a mm-hmm. duo and then going to this kind of like this a team, so to speak, like this, like smaller team. Right. So in a lot of ways, it feels like I'm back at a startup because our team is smaller, but it's more concentrated on, you know, uh, on the focus, the messaging ultimately of the, of the company, because Chuck is our, leader is our you know is, is doing all the press is is the one that's representing us right and it's a great responsibility to 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 handle that you know and to make sure that the messaging is right and i feel you know i kind of feel i feel like a, uh that responsibility is important and that i need to mm-hmm. be a trusted voice in the room uh you know, in terms of, I think specifically our social responsibility and, you know, in terms of social justice mm-hmm. in our, in, in what's happening now uh, and taking a stance and like Chuck has been tremendous just even before I even came into this role, it's been tremendous um, in guiding the company and really saying all the right things from his heart that that right. were what we were feeling see that's that, amazing yeah. you get so yeah. worried with these big companies that they almost feel like they're not human at times yeah you know and i think i think you know i think a lot of companies uh don't do the right thing and Absolutely. they don't um you know they don't know how to handle it whereas i think with cisco you know, we've had initiatives bubbling up and, and um, some of our biggest leaders at Duo, our diversity inclusion leader at Duo got scooped up by Cisco 
almost the same month of acquisition. Right. And she's now the global lead of, of DNI because oh, wow. she's so good. That's incredible. Yeah, because she's so amazing. But they recognize that that talent. Mm-hmm. Um, our director of of uh, of security got scooped up and is now the CISO, the chief information security officer at Cisco. And so you see all these like all stars getting pulled into these positions. Um, it's because they want to, they want to, you know, they, 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 they recognize what we've done, the impact that we have, the culture that we've created. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, on top of like, um, Chuck just saying all of the right things and, and being a decent human being, it's, uh, you know, it just, it just made sense for me to kind of be in that in that space and, and really think about how our video communication should look moving forward. Because, right. you know, when I put together a video, I, I think subconsciously, whether I'm pulling stock or I'm shooting stuff, mm-hmm. uh, shooting my own B-roll, there is a inclusivity and diversity mindset that I just have naturally. Right. Uh, maybe it's, you know, I think I've always had it, but you could argue mm-hmm. and say maybe my music video experience just I cultivated <laughs> that. Uh, but you know, these are things that have not always been controlled by guys like me. You know, right. where just you know, it, it seems so small, but can make a big difference. And I, I see stuff that you know when Absolutely. we outsource it to agencies and stuff like. Uh, some of the B-roll they choose, and I'm like, well, there's not there's not a whole lot of people of color in this. And it's right. Like, you yes. know, it's, it's, I don't know if this is like, the, the correct term, but it's, it's really whitewashed. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, th- you know, I don't, I think it's not, I don't think it's intentional, but it is, right. it is an unconscious bias, mm-hmm, and like, um, and so these are the things where I'm like, I don't really make a big deal out of them, but I mm-hmm. know that like to because i'm the one who's putting it together uh but it's just natural so i feel like you know i'm just i'm i'm gonna do what i do you know right. you hired me to do this what i do and i think i think my big goal mm-hmm. and i'm gonna try to explain this as articulate as i can because this really circles back to to what i talked about in terms of like film school and stuff like that. Um, When I've done lectures or when I volunteered for like students or or kids or or things like that. And they ask me like, how do I do what you do? How do I become a music video director? That imposter syndrome always popped up because it's like, I don't know what to say to that. You don't Mm -hmm. want to do this job. There's so many other things you could do that will that you'll be so successful at <laughs> <laughs> right, right? other than this. Um, and it was really hard for me to, 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 to drink that Kool-Aid and, and to say, yes, here's how you become a music video director. I'll sell you my course or like, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like I can't, I just can't because I don't believe it. Right. Uh, or maybe I just never experienced it fully 
or I can believe it. That just wasn't my story. So the story now, and I'm still writing it, is that there are opportunities in big tech where visual storytellers are going to be the rock stars, the engineers mm. of of this new space, especially, and it's been it's been um, accelerated with the pandemic, right? If you look at how much uh, internet video is taking up the internet, something like right, 80, it's exploded. It's exploded, and um, and that value is prominent in in these companies and like so you don't have to just get lucky you don't have to just pa for the rest of your life you don't have to you know work for really rude people in la or new york who treat you like shit because you're expendable um because opportunities in tech if you know how to wield it can be very exciting, um, very lucrative, and can lead to a better quality of life because you're not doing that keep up keeping up with the Joneses style of like uh, video producing, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> which a lot of people get trapped into. I gotta have the latest camera. I gotta be doing what I gotta have. I gotta do this. I got this guy's doing. This guy's a red Komodo. I gotta go. I gotta have that. You know, and it's just like, it's endless. There's no end game to it. 100%. And so, you know, if you, you could, you could still do that, but if you're doing it, a company that's paying you to do that, that's, that has the resources to have accessibility to this kind of gear, mm-hmm. um, then, and, and you're providing value. Uh, the stuff that we take for granted, editing, mm-hmm. audio editing, EQing, like people don't know how to do that. <laughs> right, tech. right. At least in like legacy, you know, like, you know, you still have a generation that really wasn't, hasn't been doing what we've been doing. So, you know, there's, there's that. And then what do we create for the next generation? And what are we looking for? And so like now that I'm kind of like in this space, I really see this as a way for the next generation to come in and have a path that isn't, you got to be in entertainment, you got to work for Vice, you got to work, you have to be a music video person, you have to get lucky and sell a movie at Sundance. Like there's this path and I could show you how to get to this path. Because I, I did it. I could completely uh, agree with that. I want to, if I can take a second, just to step back a little bit to what you said, uh, kind of like with the acquisition of uh, Duo Security and you stepping forth in Cisco, I think it was kind of underestimated or understated of how powerful it was that you went and took that effort to make the first move and network with people and talk to people inside the company that you were about to um, be absorbed into and that you were about to go to. I think that's such a huge opportunity. And I, I always tell everyone I work with and everybody um, 
that I kind of teach. I'm a UX designer uh, teacher on the side. And I always push that networking is the biggest, biggest thing. Like you never know where your next opportunity is going to come from and who can provide it to you. And just the karma that'll come back from you sharing opportunities and resources and that coming back around. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like it was so powerful that of course, you know, your hard work puts you where you were going, but you taking that step to introduce yourself to people at the company, to have those one-on-ones to make that, um, that effort. I feel like that really helped you stand out. And would you kind of agree to that? And can you speak to that anymore? Yeah. You know, I think, I think um, being very intentional about, you know, I think, I think um, being very intentional about what you want to do. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get caught up in the, at least in tech, right? A lot of people get caught up in the, uh, the loop, like the loop of like process and like, just kind of like getting in, into a routine uh, and just being kind of comfortable doing that routine. Oh and, yeah. And, but you have to ask yourself, is what I'm doing furthering my professional development? And if that answer is no, a couple of times a month, mm-hmm. then you really have to take a look at why you're doing what you're doing, you know? And for me, uh, a couple of things, like there were just a couple of things that I think just accelerated during the pandemic. It was, it was one, uh, I need to do more to further my professional development. While I appreciate uh, and value everyone I work with, worked with at Duo, I need needed to be exposed to other parts of the organization because I kn- I knew they had needs that required my skill set. Right. There's a reason they had Cisco. They have a Cisco TV and Cisco Films and a full blown broadcast studio. You know, like that I toured. Like, how do I how do I fit in here? Right. And so. Right but that's the research that I did. You know, that was, that was networking with intent. Right. That was like, you know, helping someone out and then building that relationship. And, you know, you got to provide value, you know? And, And I think, I think especially with tech, especially now, you know, like you can, you can work with other teams, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you, if you balance your time, right, you can, you could provide value for other teams and no one's going to be like, you know, is this okay? Do you have to ask permission first? If you, you know, if you find the time to do something and you help someone out, it, it's amazing. Like you, you could change someone's day, you know? And, right. And so I doing that over and over and over again, uh, just on top of like freelancing at night and, you know, like, and just like all this other crap that I do, it's just like, it was, it was very fulfilling to me and, um, you know, success is, I used to say when I was music video directing, success is less about the budgets and more about 
how valuable you can make yourself to others. Mm-hmm. I think it applies to tech as well. That it's not just about it's not just about like what you do. Like you're you're it's not just about like you being defined as a UX designer. It's it's mm-hmm. it's about what value can I provide for the mission of the company? And that can go right. beyond just your skill set. And, <clears throat> and that's kind of what I learned and what I'm still learning. And just being there and being helpful and being chill and just having a steady attitude. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've just been through a lot doing music, music, hip hop music videos. Like I've seen the worst, you know, I've right, seen, right. <laughs> seen like the worst in people. I've seen the best in people, but like when I see people get stressed out and like, you know, at the stuff I do now, I'm like, really? <laughs> not, this is not hard. You know, this is not hard. Like if, if you're passionate about what you do, this is not hard. Right. Um, you know, it's like, just get it done. Like no one cares about how you did it. They just want to see it done. And so, you know, Great point. yeah. So like, especially with video nowadays in, uh, in this remote environment, like if I need some like really good stock, like good premium stock footage or some, some real good music or just something mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not. It's not, well, how much is it going to cost? It's like, okay, go ahead, do it. I trust you. Um, you know, you're, you're the expert. Uh, just make it work. Make it happen. Right, right. And so the, the, those are the attitudes that I think we'll have, to, we'll, are shifting now to the, vis, the video producers and the, the, vi, the visual storytellers in tech. Awesome. Wrapping up here, last couple questions. Don't want to keep you too long. I know we've been on here for a while. I was going to say, you know, you spoke on it just a second ago with the balance of everything between your family life, you know, your wife, your daughter, your job, your day job, that is freelance. And then, you know, just any passion projects or anything you're working on. How do you find the balance? Where does the balance come into play? I know you uh, talked a few times on different systems and processes. Do you have any tips or systems or processes that you would share or is it just something you're kind of balancing as you're going? Yeah. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of like things that I I love. Um, I love this book by, uh, Ramit Sethi called, Mm -hmm. uh, I'll teach you to be rich. I don't know if you read that, but I haven't read it. I've I've seen him post it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. But he he says something about it's on my list. Yeah, he says something about um, he, you know, what is the thing? His whole thing is like he's not going to shame you if you if you really like to spend on something, mm-hmm. like if you like clothes, um, or if you like if you like to to go to restaurants. He's like, great. I'm not going to shame you, but like, how do what does that look like when you multiply that? Uh, times a hundred, you know, what does that look like? Is, does that look like going to uh, a bunch of like 
you know, like five-star restaurants with all of your family uh, throughout Italy or something like that. You know, is that, is that, is that 10 X, you know, of like what you really love. And so when you start, when you start, when you start breaking that down, like figuring out like, what are the things that have pulled value to you and then dropping everything else that doesn't. And so that's kind of like his spiel on like the path, the path to wealth. But I think, I think, um, I think the one thing that he, that he, that he points out that he loves that makes him, um, you know, that he'll, he'll spend on, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and focus on is automation and, Mm. and automating his life. Yeah. Right. That's smart. So he'll spend, so he has like, um, he mentioned something about like, um, when he has to travel, Mm -hmm. he has, he has like an automated system uh, that kind of like does everything. And Mm. it's like, it's triggered by like his assistant or something like that. But like the car, like the luggage, like all of these things just sort of like happen (laughs) and and is automated. Right. Um, And he goes into detail. He's like, yeah, that sounds bougie, but guess what? I'm not, that's what I love. And I'm not spending money on X, Y, and Z. You know, right. And so it just makes him uh, more effective. Yeah. That's now, what I say. It's makes him productive, saves a lot of time. Yeah. So I've really started to think about, you know, like how can I be, um, how can I automate things? Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been bad at like just hiring people to do stuff that I always felt like oh, I can do that. Right. You know, like it's going to take me longer to explain this to someone what I want than to just do it myself. But it, you know, it makes sense. That stuff kind of adds up, mm-hmm. you know, like all those little menial tasks, like start to add up. Yeah, especially for uh, your bandwidth. For your bandwidth. Yeah. Like, for example, I think the first time I really started to dive into this was like making, redoing the thumbnails for my YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, this is like, these are a lot of thumbnails and I could do them all, or I could actually focus on producing a new video. Right. And, and so like, you know, I hired, uh, a local, uh, designer and just kind of like, let go, you know, and just like gave a little direction, but I kind of let go and, and it was cool. And I bought my time. And then I started to think about like, okay, well that's, that's not, that's hiring someone that's not really automation. And how can I, what are things that, what are the things that I do? that are sort of like more logistical. And so I started to look at different apps for things that, you know, that would take, take up time at night specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for, for freelance, um, you know, I, I would spend a lot of time creating invoices, you know, chasing chasing invoices and chasing payments and like mm-hmm. just all the all the stuff that right that you got to deal with as either a freelancer or a small business owner right um and so i like started to investigate like free apps you know mm-hmm. what apps can i use that are just kind of like free you know because i don't use it enough to justify paying for it right and i found something called wave 
wave apps. Mm -hmm. And so I use wave apps as my um, invoice system. So now I could send estimates and invoice and uh, receive credit card payments and, and all this stuff for free. And right. it's totally awesome. cloud-based and, and it, you know, it just kind of does its thing. Uh, it will send reminders, you know, without me having to do it. Right, um, right. Freeze you so, and, it's just, and, it, and it just makes me look more professional when I'm, right. you know, when a client sees, and there's one that I think um, Intuit has, uh, mm -hmm. QuickBooks, I think, has, yeah, has something similar. Yeah. But this one is free, which I liked. And um, absolutely. And like, uh, yeah, you know, when you get that, like, pay this invoice now, it's like, oh, <laughs> I got to pay it now, you know? And, it's, you know, I right. think there's a, and there's an ease to it if someone could pay with their credit card, you know, and stuff like that. So <clears throat> that's one thing. Another app I like to use is called Buffer. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is, uh, it's kind of like Hootsuite, but free. Right. But you get like, um, I, th I, th I think it just works better to be honest. Uh, I had a lot of glitches with Hootsuite, mm -hmm. um, but buffer I use for automating my run playback, uh, uh, social media. Okay. And so every week I load in all of the posts that I'm going to do for that week. And if it's a video, say it's a video, um, I'll split that into, you know, like eight different pieces mm -hmm. and then just write some copy for eight different pieces and then just load it up into buffer and have that automate my social media uh, from on 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. for the week. Nice. And so, Love that. yeah. So that just sort of like, you know, I do it. It takes me like maybe half an hour. Uh, you know, and you know, it's tedious and it's, uh, I don't want to do this, but I get through it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then, then I don't think about it for the rest of the week. And so right. now I've saved all that time. Uh, by yeah, automating super that. smart. I think I'm going to take a note on that one myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's another app that I found recently called mm -hmm. studio binder and studio binder. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, studio binder. Uh, this one is paid, mm -hmm. but you could do monthly. And okay. I, I'm doing monthly based on, because I'm not doing a lot of like on location shoots with with a big crew. Mm -hmm. But weirdly enough, I have two shoots booked this, this month, so it made sense. Um, but what it is, is a cloud-based shot list. Um, shot list and call sheet creator. And, and more, mm. it can do more, but it's basically video production. But All I right. just use it for my shot list and my call sheet. Okay. Because um, I'm not, you could do movies in there, but I'm not using it for movies right now. I'm just using it to like book really small shoots. Right. Really small crews. And what it does is, you know, it, um, when you make your call sheet, you basically, uh, it, you know, you, you put in the location as geo-based. So you put in the location and it auto populates like the, mm -hmm. you know, like Google maps. Right. And then it, um, and then it, it'll automatically put the, uh, the weather and the time based on your shoot day, because it, it's reading off the, you know, the weather mm -hmm. 
uh, API. And oh wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, yeah. And then um, you have a contact list for the project, and you input their information and you delegate them, whether they're the client, their cinematographer, they're the talent, mm-hmm. and you you just input them into that contact list. Uh, then you create their call times, like just any other call sheet, but it's drop down menu, so super simple. Right, right. And then when you send the call sheet, uh, you you could it sends them an email with the PDF, and simultaneously sends them a text. And then when they click click it, mm-hmm. it brings them into the call sheet. Uh, you know, in the cloud. Right, and there's a big button that says "Confirm your call time," and nice. and it says like "Call sheet personalized for your name," you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then and everyone that's going to be there can kind of confirm and confirms, you know. Right. You know, and and I'm like, I see. There's one crew member that I saw today that's like viewed it three times but didn't confirm that I'm going to get on and be like, dude. <laughs> Right. Why did you why did you open this three times and not confirm it? You know, and so you know, it's like but the fact that it texts because a lot of people don't check their emails. Right. Um is kind of sweet. So like and again, going to the client, now my client is like, Wow, does he Absolutely. have an assistant who's doing all this? You know, and so it's it's pretty sweet. The call, sh- the shot list too is, is also cool. Just, you know, drop down menus, close up, uh, you know, medium shot, tripod, handheld, like, all, you know, all the typical stuff. Right. Um, yeah. This seems so, like, yeah. like a great app for uh, filmmakers. I can see. It's super some, cool. Right. I can see some listeners really getting some great use out of that. Yeah, it's really cool. And, um, you know, again, like you can't actually have the send call sheet, <laughs> send right. call sheet unless you pay for it. You can print it if you if you're like, you know, you're not really booking shoots or you just want to save save money. You can just make a printable file, PDF file of it um, and then send it manually. Mm-hmm. But but I think. I don't know. I think the cool feature is that you can like actually have people confirm, you know, right. like, yeah, that seems like the best part to me that you can text everybody out the agenda and they can confirm and yep. Yep. Definitely a great one. <laughs> Cause that was like, that was just a pain to do right before yeah, just like texting imagine. people. Yeah. A lot of follow-up between each person and everything. Yeah. Right. Just annoying. So it's it's like having an AD, right? It's like having like this like virtual AD assistant director. Right. So so between all those three apps, I'm like I I I feel really good about it. Now I'm like also really good at turning stuff down, you know? Like Right. I'm at a because like now that I'm in this new position, it's kind of like and I created this hierarchy list. Mm-hmm. Like if this thing is not adding to you know, like is this going to be a headache? Yeah. Is this right. going to be like, is this going to be a head- Like I could, you know, I have an instinct like this client is going to be very difficult, mm-hmm. like really, really difficult. I, Not worth it. I don't need to do it. No, no. And I All used right. to just take it to take it. Cause I was not that I really needed the money per se, but I think I was just like, 
trying to be a nice guy. Right. And now I'm just like, not that I'm not a nice guy, but it's just like, if it's not worth my time, I, I, I can recommend someone that might, it might be worth it for. 100%. Uh, but I'm not just going to be like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to send them an estimate with wave apps. <laughs> They're going to look at the estimates broken down. Like you can make your preset. So I have pre-production, production, post-production preset. Nice. What's in there, you know, assembly cut, fine cut, final cut, you know, right, and, so you and just adjust it based on the project. Adjust it. And then you, you know, days, five days post-production. Right. And when you break it down like that, <clears throat> you know, you know, cause it's like, this is, I've only had one client, like, why is this this much? Like, right. Well, that's, this is, <laughs> you know, this the is, breakdowns for, yeah, this is a break, you know, like, <laughs> what am I going to tell you? Like, that's, that's how much I cost. I mean, right. That's the rate, it, you know, that's the rate. Someone else. I mean, yeah. Like this literally, this is how much time I'm spending on it. Like, and so it, it's kind of cool when you see it in that way. And it's just like, it just looks, it just looks more professional. Like, you know, when you, when you get an estimate and then you get like, the one thing it can't do right now, which is kind of mm -hmm. weird. It just, you can't like, you can't send like a, uh, like a deposit invoice. Mm, okay. But, you can't yeah. take a percentage down. Yeah, you can't like, they can't do like, you can't have an invoice that's like prepaid deposit and then you have to kind of create them separately, which is, mm, yeah, but not a big deal. Right, right. Well, my last question here is if you could depart and share any advice to any up and comers who wanted to get in the tech industry and whether they were creatives or non-creatives, but just felt iffy about getting into tech, like they weren't sure if that was a move for them. Would you have any suggestions or any advice for those people? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of the tech companies, a lot of big tech companies. Here's the thing. Like the, you know, the U.S. economy is driven by like, you know, six or seven dudes, mm -hmm. um, mostly in big tech. Right. And, you know, th that's an issue for sure. 100%. For sure is an, is an issue. And, and depending on what company you work for, you may not necessarily align with uh, the, their mission or their goals. Um philosophically or morally. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first thing I would say, like make sure that the company, the tech company that you're working for uh, is, some, is something that actually aligns with what you believe in. Uh, and don't, don't think that you'll just suddenly find it. Um, right. <laughs> you'll just discover it like one day. Uh, you know, I didn't know. Values. Exactly. Like it should be inherent. It shouldn't be like something that, takes you months to figure out like right you know when i when i didn't know anything about cybersecurity, but i knew that we were protect we were democratizing security we were making security accessible 
mm. to 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 regular people and small businesses right. who who couldn't afford you know sophisticated uh enterprise solutions to, yeah exactly uh which at the time was like rsa and like the tokens right the usb right. tokens like mm -hmm. all that crap and so <clears throat> so knowing that you know which is like the basic basic story of like uh duo it it made sense that i was oh i'm going to do something that is actually impacting uh security and then actually impacting security for some really big companies that's you know that has an impact on the world then that feels like something i can align with uh just from like a moral standpoint and so that that would be the first thing i would look at and and then the second thing i would say is you know um just be be really uh really just like financially um cognizant mm -hmm. um especially if you you know if you make good money in tech because i find most people are for the most part you know i've i've learned everything that i i needed to learn by asking a lot of people questions who who i worked with who are really had some really sound advice that aligned right. with like what i want to do and so you'll find those resources and uh you'll find lots of ways to make money outside of your um um outside of your your base salary you know there's 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 equity there's there's restricted stock units there's mm -hmm. um something we have and, and most of these companies have is like ESPP which is employee uh stock purchases you know so you buy stock at a discount like a deep discount right and and you hold it and then you sell it after a quarter i think or a certain certain amount of time and it's it's basically like a savings account like a instant you know 15% return on what you put in and right. so you can like you could contribute right those levels um stuff like that you know that just like little ways to kind of like generate extra um, revenue money extra revenue you know and and um and then reinvesting it and stuff like that and so um so that's something that you know uh working at in tech you're going to find a lot of uh and you'll you'll find a lot of people who you know just like are really doing well but they're not concerned about like keeping up with the Joneses. They're not, you know, it's not like, it's not like we're, we're working at the NFL or the NBA, you know, you're not right. trying to show off for anyone. Um, I mean, specifically here, I'm talking, you know, I'm talking to someone who works, you know, for big tech in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, you know, like, right. Right. No one cares about that, but I'm, if, I'm sure if you're in the Bay, right. It's a little Silicon bit Valley. Yeah. 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 You know, you do, it is a little bit difficult to, not get caught up in this is how it is really but um but again these you know would my position have been available if there wasn't a pandemic i don't know but the fact that 
the San Jose-based company with the San Jose-based team or San Francisco-based team hired a guy from Michigan, you know, says, speaks volumes about what the intention is of these companies in terms of how they want to invest in visual communications. Right. 100%. I think it's a great note to end on. Uh, Rick, I really thank you for all your time and uh, doing this interview. Uh, you really, you know, you're more than generous with your time and your answers. And I <laughs> truly appreciate it. No, this is, this is great. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. You have a great one, Rick. You too. That'll do it for another episode of Start a Business, Mind Your Own. Be sure to rate the podcast and leave a comment. Your feedback helps improve our content and make sure even more people hear the show.